All righty, good morning. It is uh, my, my blessing and joy to be able to open up the Word with you this morning. And as we continue our, our series on the portraits of Christ, I've been asked to preach on Christ as being our life. And it's a great topic to preach on, um, but from a preaching sense, it is so expansive, so, so vast, that I really struggled this week on what to preach on in a one message, in a 40-minute message. And um, crying out to the Lord, Lord, how do I land this plane? And, um, you know, if I were to ask you, what does it mean to you that Christ is your life? And what scripture verses come to mind? What would you say? And I, I'd imagine some of you would say, well, Tony, to be honest, I can't really say that Christ is my life. I wouldn't be able to say that. And if that's you... I, I'm hopeful that today you're going to hear something that is going to impact that answer. And some of you would, would throw out a John 3.16 verse, or you'd throw out John 14.6. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And you'd talk about the eternal life that we have in Christ. Some of you would probably throw out a Galatians 2.20 and say, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Or you might quote of Philippians and say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And you'd talk about this earthly daily life with Christ. And so as, as I, and I'm sure, by the way, I, I, I would hear many wide-ranging, biblical, God-honoring responses. Because it's just a deep, deep topic, Christ, our life. And so I was, as I, Lord, what do I, what do I share I landed on the book of Colossians. And where, where in, in Colossians, specifically in chapter 3, and I think it may be the only place in Scripture where the Apostle Paul actually says, Christ is our life. Really says, Christ, our life, or Christ your life. You actually use, I think it's the only place. I didn't really do an extensive search. But that's found in Colossians 3 where Paul says, Christ, our life. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Colossians chapter 3. And it's in between Philippians and 1 Thessalonians, Colossians chapter 3. And what I'm going to try and do today is to paint a fuller picture 
of what the Apostle Paul means when he says in Colossians 3 that Christ is our life. And to do that, what I'm going to do is give a context of the letter of Colossians. Then I'm going to do an overview of chapters 1 and 2, and which those chapters, they will set the stage for what Paul says in the beginning of chapter 3 when he says Christ is our life. And I think in doing this, we'll get a much better grasp. And I want to give you a, a, a suggestion. If you have your cell phones, we're going to fly through some things, take pictures of the screen here. But I want to even give you a better suggestion. And I'll say a loving, strong encouragement. I'm going to ask you to do something. And that is, every day this week, Monday, if you want to start today, that's cool. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, five days. Read Colossians. It's only four chapters. It is in my Bible, page one, page two, page three. Three pages. It will take you 10, maybe 15 minutes max. Four chapters. So every day, starting Monday, so we're talking 50 minutes an hour over this next coming, this coming week, read Colossians every day, 10 minutes. And that will give you a much greater grasp on what I'm going to share today. And you will benefit greatly by doing that. So that, that's my big ask for you. So, we're going to get started, and I'm going to read Colossians chapter 3, first four verses. Paul says this, he says, if then you have been raised with Christ, and he's not, he's not questioning if they have been raised with Christ. He, it's like, it's a matter of fact, he could say, since you have been raised with Christ, but he's, it's so matter of fact, he's saying, hey, it's a, if you've been raised with Christ, and you have, right? if, since you've been raised with Christ, Seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And here's the phrase. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. And actually, the who is isn't there in the Greek. It really says when Christ, your life, appears, you also appear with him in glory. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you that uh, we have your word and we can open your word. And, and Lord, uh, as uh, we've heard uh, prayer often here, uh, open our minds that we may behold wondrous things out of the book of your law. And we ask this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> I guess the first service, they, they got this. That prayer, you remember who used to pray that prayer? Pastor Minter, I heard it. Yeah, that was one of his often opening prayers before he got into the Word. And 
And so I figure since he's now in Nashville, I'm going to steal it. So, <laughs> but, but since he took it from King David, I don't feel bad whatsoever. <laughs> no. All right. Here we go. Background of Colossians. The Apostle Paul writes Colossians, four little chapters. He, Paul, the Apostle Paul's the writer. When he writes it, he's in, in Rome. He's under house arrest. He can get visitors, come and go. Epaphras, this guy named Epaphras, who lives in Colossae, where the Colossians are. He lives in Colossae, and Colossae is in present-day Turkey. Epaphras goes and visits Paul in Rome under house arrest. And he tells Paul what's happening in the church in Colossae. And then, based on what he tells Paul, Paul writes this letter to the believers at Colossae. And that's the context. Paul hears some good things. He hears there's faith in Christ. They have a love for the saints. The gospel is bearing fruit and it's increasing. He hears some good things. But Paul hears something dreadful, very alarming. He hears from Epaphras that there's this false teaching impacting these believers. And specifically, what he hears, what they're talking, this false teaching is all about is how to live and grow as a Christian. How to have victory over sin in the flesh. The how-to, be a strong follower, mature in Christ. And this false teaching that they are being taught regarding how to be strong in Christ how to have victory in this Christian life over sin. This teaching has nothing to do with Christ. And what they're specifically teaching, we can pull out of the letter. Here's what they're teaching. Paul writes it in chapter 2. He says, therefore... Let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. And apparently there's a Jewish, Jewish segment that's impacting them saying, hey, yeah, you got Christ, you're saved, but you need to follow the law, the Mosaic law. You need to, to, to obey this, to grow in Christ, to have victory over sin. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and the worship of angels, asceticism being deny yourself of any pleasures. Let no one influence you and disqualify you, insisting on this. And apparently there's a Gentile population, pagan population, teaching this. 
And then he says, if Christ, if with Christ you died to the elemental spirits or principles of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. In short, what they're saying, here's a list of do's and don'ts. Now that you have trusted Christ, here's what you have to do. A list of do's and don'ts, regulations, rules to follow. And what they're saying, really, the teaching is really saying, Christ is not sufficient. You need all of this stuff, this list of rules to grow in him. That's what they're teaching. And as you go home and read Colossians once a day for these next five days, ten minutes it'll take you, a day, you're going to read Paul calls this teaching. He says, it's nothing but empty deceit based on human tradition, human wisdom, not based on anything according to Christ. And I think we, as Christians, can fall into that same trap, that same thinking, that this Christian life, now that I'm a believer, I create my own list. This is what it means. Do this, don't do that. Follow these rules, check off the boxes. And then the more boxes I can check off, all right, the stronger I am, the better I am. The more mature I am. Paul, to combat this teaching, the Apostle Paul, in chapters 1 and 2, simply highlights Christ. He focuses entirely on Christ. That's what he does. This is how he combats the teaching. He highlights Christ, chapters 1 and 2, half the book. He highlights Christ, who he is, what he's done, how he did it, who we are in him. He just highlights Christ. In English, in chapters 1 and 2 combined, there's 52 verses. In, in, the origin, in the Greek, Greek doesn't have verse numbers, right? But in our English, we break it up into verses. We, got, we have verse numbers. 52 verses combined, chapter 1 and 2. I counted over about 50 times, I think over 50 times in chapters 1 and 2, the word Christ. He, him, in whom is mentioned. 50 times out of 52 verses. 50 times. First two chapters, all about Jesus. That's what it's about. And then what Paul does after he highlights Christ in chapters 1 and 2, he basically says this, everything you need 
to grow in Christ, to become a mature follower of him, everything you need to walk victoriously over sin and the flesh, everything you need is found in Christ. That's what he's basically going to say. He is our life. You don't need these rules. You don't need these regulations. You don't need to check off the boxes, Tony. All you need is Christ. He's our life. So we're going to look at chapter 1. This is what he said. Who is Christ? All right. This is what he does. Two cha- first chapters. First two chapters. Nothing but who Christ is, what he's done, how he did it, who we are in him. Who is Christ? And I've just listed things. We're not going to camp out on any of this. Christ. Chapter 1. You see the, the, the chapter and the verse. Who is Christ? Paul says. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the creator of all things. He is before all things. He is the sustainer of all things. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the preeminent one, the fullness of God, the possessor of all wisdom and knowledge. He is the fullness of deity. All that in two chapters. One one theologian commentary I read said, said, this, chapters 1 and 2, is one of the greatest declarations of the deity of Christ found in the scriptures. So, if anyone ever asks you, does the Bible really claim that Jesus is God? Just take them to Colossians chapter 1 and 2. Say, here, yeah, read it. You can take them to other places, but Colossians 1 and 2 who Christ is. After highlighting, or in addition to highlighting who Christ is, as I said, Paul highlights what he's done, how he did it, who we are in him. And let me list that up here for you. And I've just made a list here. Not going to really camp out. What has he done? Who are we in him? How did he do it? Well, he's qualified us to share in his inheritance. He delivered us from the kingdom. The Father delivered us from the kingdom of darkness to his kingdom, his beloved Son, through him, through Christ. We are redeemed and forgiven. He's redeemed us. He's forgiven us. We are reconciled to God. He made peace between us and God. How? 120 tells us, by the blood of the cross. And by the way, how did he do all of this? By the blood of the cross. Not by my to-do list. Not by me checking off any boxes. He did it by the blood of the cross. He made us holy, blameless, and above reproach or above disapproval. Another word. How did he do it? By his death, by the blood of the cross. That's how he did it. We could just camp out on that phrase made us holy blameless i could camp we could camp out on each one and one message per each one of those things if i really think about it lord with all my junk that i still have i'm standing before you holy holy 
blameless and above disapproval. You will never disapprove of me. It's an amazing truth. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Christ is with us. I camp down on that one. You're here. You're really here. You are in me. You're with me. I camped down on that for a while. That's an amazing thing. In Christ, we have been filled and circumcised. We've been buried with him. We were raised with him. What? Through faith. And all of this, all of this is applied to us through faith. It's the only way. It's not our to-do list. It's not the rules, the regulations. We can never check off enough boxes to have this. It's only by the blood of Christ and only through faith in him. When I was dead in my sin, he made me alive with Christ. Forgiven. Of all my sins. We could camp out there. And you've heard the Greek word for all is? All. All. I'm forgiven of all my sin. Past, present, future. All my sin. I am chosen. I am holy. I am beloved by him. That's all Paul does for two chapters to combat this false teaching. This false teaching saying, this is how you have victory over sin in your life. This is how you grow and mature in Christ. And Paul, all he does is point to Jesus for two chapters. Who he is, what he's done, how he did it, who we are in him for two chapters. Paul ends chapter 2, the last verse of chapter 2. He ends it by saying all the rules, the regulations that you're being taught. These rules, these regulations, they indeed have an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body. But they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. No value whatsoever. Tony, you can follow this rules and check off as many boxes, but it is not going to help you one iota in growing in Christ. Not one bit. So, Paul, what will help me? How do I grow in Christ? How do I have victory over this sin that so easily besets me? How? And he starts the next, right after he ends the chapter 2, he starts chapter 3. That's not too profound, right? 
This is what he says. If, since you've been raised with Christ, let me tell you, Tony, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, you will also appear with him in glory. That list that we had in chapter 2 of the things that he's done for us, we could add a couple more from the beginning of chapter 3. My life is hidden with Christ. My life is concealed, secured with Christ in God. I'm secured, hidden, concealed with him. And also I'm going to be glorified with him. Paul gives two commands out of these four verses. Two commands. Seek the things that are above. Set your mind on the things that are above. And that's set your mind. It's one Greek word. Set your mind on the things that are above. Two commands. The word seek means to seek. Actually, to look for, to search. Set your mind means think on. Fix your attention on. Meditate on. Be consumed here with. Think on it, Tony. Think on what, Paul? The things that are above. That's a big place, Paul. Things that are above. What are you talking about? I'm talking about where Christ is. See, let the right hand of God, let your thinking go there, Tony, to the truths of Christ, to who he is and what he says and what he has done and who you are in him. Take your mind and your thoughts and your searching and looking, go there with it. And I think primarily the things that are above are what he just mentioned in chapters 1 and chapters 2. And we could, I'd say secondarily, maybe some things in chapter 3, some put-ons. We're not going to get there, but primarily it's chapter 1 and chapter 2. These are the things that are above. And it's, it's the same way, it's the same thing Paul does in when he writes the letter to Ephesians. Same thing. For three chapters, Ephesians six chapters long, three chapters, Paul just talks about Christ and who we are in him. What he's done, how he did it, and who. That's all he does in Ephesians for three chapters. First three chapters. Same thing. Here, first two chapters, it's all about Christ. He says in, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, you don't have to look up, it's not up there. He says this. God has blessed us in Christ with every, every spiritual blessing, where? In the heavenlies, up there. And then he, then for three chapters, he just lists the blessing after blessing after blessing. You've been chosen, Tony. 
This is Ephesians chapter 1, 2 and 3. Chosen, adopted, made holy, forgiven. These are the spiritual blessings, and he takes us to the heavenlies, to where Christ is and the truths about Christ, who he is, what he's done, how he did it, and who I am in him. The writer to Hebrews does the same thing. In Hebrews, it's 13 chapters long. For 10 chapters, first 10 chapters, the writer of Hebrews highlights, just like Paul does, highlights Christ and the truths of Christ. First 10 chapters says it's all about the greatness of Christ, of Hebrews. The superiority of Christ. Christ is greater than the prophets. He's greater than the angels. And we He's greater than Moses. He's greater than the Levitical priests. His offering is far superior to the offerings and sacrifices of the Old Testament. That's, that's Hebrews. The, those offerings could never take away sin. And they had to be repeated every, constantly. But Christ's offering himself once and for all has taken away sin. And he sits down at the right hand of God. Finished. Done. He's far superior. That's the first ten chapters. And then in chapter 11, the writer of Hebrews highlights how we walk in this world. How are we to walk? How? That I'm a Christian, am I to walk in this world? And he just highlights, we call it the hall of faith, right? Because it's one person after another, by faith, by faith, by faith. By trusting Christ, by faith. Hebrews 11.6, without faith it's impossible to please God. It's impossible to walk with him. Without faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. And then he says this, the writer, in chapter 12. He says this, beginning of chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, all these people who did amazing things, amazing things by faith, some even were tortured by faith, sawn in two by faith, persecuted by faith, Others conquered kingdoms by faith. It's all by faith. Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. How am I to lay aside this sin that clings to me? How? Look to Jesus. That's how, that's how, Tony, look to Jesus. Set your mind on the things that are above the truths of God. Look to him, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Jesus. Our next screen. Consider him. There's Hebrews 12, 1 and 3. 
Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself that you may not grow weary and faint-hearted. It's by looking to Jesus and trusting him that we obtain eternal life, forgiveness, redemption, reconciling. It's by looking to Jesus and placing our faith in him, trusting him, that we obtain eternal life. And it's the same way we have victory in this earthly life, by looking to him and trusting him. And over and over and over again, Paul and Hebrews constantly are saying that it's not by checking off boxes. It's not you perform and you grow. It's look to Jesus. Look to his truths. Colossians 1.28 says, Paul says this, and by the way, when you read this every day for five days, ten minutes, if you want to start today, that's cool. Start tomorrow. Just ten minutes. You will be... You will benefit greatly. You'll be blessed. Just do it. 15 minutes of your time. You'll see, Paul says this in Colossians 1.28. Him we proclaim, warning everyone, teaching everyone. Why do you proclaim? So that, purpose. Him we proclaim that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Paul, how do I grow? How do I have victory over sin? Oh, Tony, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about what he's done. Let me tell you about who you are in him. You mean, what about this list? No, no, let me tell you about Jesus. Him we proclaim. Colossians 2, you'll read this at home. Just as you received Christ, Colossians 2, 6. Just as you received Christ, hey you Colossians, hey you RBCers, and how, by the way, how, how, did, how did I receive, how did we receive Christ? How? Huh? By faith, right? Just as you received Christ, so walk in Him. This is how you started this journey with Christ, Tony. This is how you got in the kingdom. Why do you think it would even change? Now I'm going to switch the play. Here, now, here's the list. Just as you received him, walk in him. Christ is the answer for eternal life. Christ is the answer for daily victorious life. That's why Paul says, he's our life. It's all him. How does this work out practically? What's this look like practically? You remember Karen Lithgow a month and a half ago, June 9th. Single girl Karen, we commissioned her up here, sent her off as a missionary to Spain. So she left mid-July. And she, she sent a couple emails to a number of people. So um, here's one that she sent, and I want to read a portion of it. 
God has been so kind to show me traveling mercies and to give me strength during the hard moments. How, Karen? How did he give you strength? How did he strengthen you during the hard moments? When we landed in Madrid, I saw a screen in front of me that had a map showing the U.S. and a line over the ocean to Spain where the plane was landing. I thought to myself, everyone that I love is across the ocean. My eyes filled with tears, and I suddenly felt very alone. I felt like the move was hitting me little by little, and being sleep-deprived definitely made me more emotional. Then I realized that there was a serious error with that thought. I love the Lord Jesus Christ, and he is not across the ocean. He was walking right by my side in that airport. I was not alone. I was with my good shepherd. How do we walk this life? We set our mind on the truths of Christ. We take our mind and set him on the things that are above, where Christ is, his truths. You know, and I told you I, I wrestled with, with uh, Lord, what do I speak on? And, you know, Sunday's coming. I better be ready. Whatever I got. And I, so it wasn't a pleasant wrestling. And I get this email, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not alone. Karen's not alone. I'm, you're right here with me. I'm good. I'm good. Okay, Lord, you'll give me some download here. I'm good. I've been, uh, I became a believer at the age of 20, and... It was 41 years ago. And at, at, as in my teens, I was engaged in most every vice you can think of, from drinking to drugs, and we can go on and on and on and on and on. And the only thing that stopped immediately when I came to Christ that I remember at the age of 20 was I stopped using the Lord's name in vain. The rest, the baggage, the sin in my life, it's been a process, and it still is a process. Still is a process. But how have I grown in 40 years? How, not perfection, right? Haven't arrived, not saying that, but how have I grown? How have I gained victory over sin in my life? Not by a list of do's and don'ts and check. I've tried that. Been there. Never worked. Paul says it'll never work. Only 
by spending time with the Lord, hearing His truths, hearing what He has to say. I fail over and over and over again. And what do I say to myself? Oh, you, you loser. God's had enough of you. Condemned. Awful child of God. Lousy. Not loved. I can go on and on and on and on. But does God say any of that to me? Any of it? No, he doesn't. You know what he says? He says to me, when I blow it, beloved, Tony, you're the apple of my eye. I'm with you. You will never be disapproved, Tony. Blameless, that's what you are. Holy, that's what you are. Love, that's what you are. Forgiven, forgiven, forgiven. And the ones you do tomorrow, commit tomorrow, forgiven, forgiven, forgiven. Get that, think on that one, Tony, think on that. And you know what happens? What's happened over the years? I'm like, wow, Lord, that's amazing. And what happens is Romans 2, 4. The kindness of God leads to repentance. The kindness, his mercy, his grace, the goodness of God. I'm like, wow. And he changes me. He changes my heart. He changes my mind. He changes me. And he empowers me to have victory. That's how it works. It's not the list. I think Jim said last week, you can't outsin God's grace. And if I thought on that, God's I can't outsin it. I'm covered. By the blood. I'm, his grace overflows to me. And when we set our minds on the truth, on what God says, we get amazed by his love, his grace, his mercy, and it brings a change in our life. He conforms us. That's how it works. I've got to wrap this up. So how, how do I see? What helps me you know, to seek Set my mind on things of the Lord, the truths, right? How do I grasp the truths of who Christ is, what he's done, how he's done it, who I am? How do I, what helps me to, 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 to get this in my mind? Let's go to this last slide, Colossians again. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. How? How do I? I need to hear from you, Lord, because I'll speak lies to myself all day long. And the world will speak lies to me all day long. But you, you speak the truth. So I need to, I need to set my mind on the things that are above where you are. How? Let his word, his truth, let him speak to you, right? Speak to me, Lord. How? I got the word. Spend time in the Word. Songs, biblical songs, praising the Lord. I know people, I primarily, I connect with the Lord over spending time with Him with my cup of coffee in the Word. 
I know people who primarily connect with the Lord through worship songs. And they hear biblical truth through worship songs. And it resonates. And I, I too, connect with the Lord in biblical. Do it all. And one another. Teaching and admonishing one another. Karen, as I mentioned, she just sent the email to me. And guess what? Took me, reminded me, Tony, in my prep this week. God's with you. God's with you. Right? He uses one another. And I'm sure there's another, a myriad of ways that God puts his word, gives his word, his truth to us. And that's what Paul says, fixate on that. So, close with this. Two things. Strong ask. Take 10 minutes every day and read Colossians, four chapters. And you can even start today. 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And second thing, if, if you are not connected with others who, can, who are speaking into your life, Christ's words, God's words, if you're not connected, we got a number of ways for you to get connected here. We got small groups, we got Bible studies, number of ways to connect, to surround yourself with people who will speak truth, God's word, into your life through relationship. Vital. King David says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. He doesn't say, This list, I checked it off. He says, thy word, your truth, what you said, I've hid it here, that I might not sin against thee. Let me close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. Oh, Lord, open our minds, open our eyes, that we may behold wondrous things from you, that we may hear what you say, your truth, and change us, Lord. And if there's anyone here that has not even started this journey with you by placing their faith in you, convict them, move them to make that decision, we ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen.